You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster once again is my friend Michael Eboff. And uh, Mike, you're going to have to talk first because I really don't know what to say. Uh, it was a it was a whirlwind day, and I'm a little bit tired, honestly, after following all the many trades that went down today. It was uh, it was just exciting to be in the mix, right? Like that, that's how it was looking. Like the Islanders, it started early. the The Pajot trade was. Um, about 10 o'clock I guess because I was on the train into work and um and then about an hour later the that whole Parisi saga started to um to kind of unfold I had actually I had a source who who had actually told me about per, per, the Islanders interest in Parisi uh while I was at the Islander game on, on the Red Wings and, and uh I just kind of quashed it I was like there's no way that's gonna happen but yeah no that's yeah. ridiculous <laughs> and uh but uh as soon as uh as soon as that started happening, it was just like fun to, you know, the Islanders were, were kind of, you know, throwing their weight around. Lou was doing his Lou thing. We haven't seen Lou do his Lou thing except for, uh, in a while. I mean, the last time Lou Lou did a Lou thing was when he hired, you know, Barry Trotz. So it's been a, Mm. a, like a year or a year plus. Um, and it's just, I mean, even going back to, uh saturday i guess it was with uh or sunday with uh the sorokin stuff like it was just like the islanders were involved and it was fun to to be involved and to be engaged in in the stuff where a lot of times we're we're thinking oh like look at the the blue jackets did this and the hurricanes did this why couldn't we do a fourth rounder for this guy and like oh we could have easily swung that but this time you know the islanders were were the ones uh 
I want to say that they were the, the biggest player in the pond, but they were certainly in it. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a tweet here from John Shannon. Uh, 55 players moved today, which is a league high uh, in the last 10 years. Uh, 55 players also moved in 2010. And those are the two most uh, that have ever moved at a, at a deadline. So there was a lot of movement. And yeah, the Islanders were definitely involved. They were definitely involved early. Uh, yeah, grabbing uh, John Gabriel Pajot from Ottawa uh, around 10 o'clock. Uh, it took everybody by surprise. Normally, normally like trade deadlines don't get ramped up that quickly. Uh, if, if, if you're like me, you woke up and you're like, oh, Mike Green got traded to the Oilers? Like, when the hell did that happen? It happened, <laughs> I don't know, like midnight or something. Um, but uh, yeah, the Islanders went, went after. They knew the guy they wanted. They went after the guy they wanted, and they got the guy they wanted. We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about a couple of guys. We're going to talk about a guy they didn't get. And then uh, I totally forgot about the Sorokin thing, so we'll throw that in there for the first half, and then we'll kind of cover around the league and, and look at the schedule ahead uh, in the second half. But, um, you know, it's clear that they targeted Pajot. He, we talked about him, and I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I never thought that they would actually make that deal. No. But he's kind of perfect for them. He's, mm-hmm. he's a third-line center type. Um, you know, he scores, he's, he's defensively responsible. He's been that way his entire career. He's 27 right now. Uh, and so, you know, he's coming up on free agency and if anything, you know, making the trade is already kind of a a little bit of a surprise and that the Islanders, you know, again, went after it, like they hadn't really done in a long time, but then the kicker was they signed the dude. <laughs> they signed him right right from the minute they got him. It was already like, oh, we're hearing things about the Islanders maybe making, uh, you know, uh, contract, working on contract negotiation with Pat Joe. And um, I don't know, probably around two o'clock or so he he was signed and six years, five million per. It's probably the normal going rate for a player of that caliber, uh, you know, for UFA. And so that's a pretty tidy piece of business by Lou Lamorello. They got it done. Are they still, you know, the perfectly constructed team? No, not really. I mean, the Penguins and Caps we'll talk about, and the Hurricanes did a lot today that that'll solidify them too. But you know, right now the Islanders are a better team than they were, you know, two days ago, and and they've got that sorted out. And once Hal Clutterbuck and Casey Zizekas come back, you're talking about a a a, a, a fortified group that uh, you know is gonna, hopefully going to hit the playoffs and and maybe be maybe a little bit better than they were last year. Yeah, I think the thing that surprised me the most about Pajot was that he was the guy everybody wanted. You know, you you, you can't really have enough uh, John, John, or as Mike Francesa tweeted out, John Gabriel Pajot. I can't, I, I haven't listened to the clip yet, but he, he spelled his name J-O-H-N dash Gabriel. <laughs> so I was, I was really excited to see that. Um, but uh, you can't really have, like nobody doesn't want to have that kind of player. He, He's, uh, I think Bobby Ryan was the guy who was quoted in, in an interview saying that he wears many hats. Uh, he basically can play the power play. He can kill penalties. He's great defensively. He can manage a top six uh, line as well. Like this, he's he's not coming here to be the Islanders' number one center, which is good news. I think. I mean, sure, you, you're paying five million over the next six years for a third line center, maybe second line center, whatever he, he ends up being for uh, for the Islanders throughout that uh, deal. But for right now, the Islanders need. They needed a stronger spine, and they got a stronger spine. And he he's just – Barry Trotz is like – I can't imagine how excited Barry Trotz is to work with this guy just because he's like, oh, well, he can kill penalties. He can he can basically play any role he wants, and he just seems like the perfect – like he's like a jitterbug. He, he literally does everything on the ice. He, tra- he tries real hard. He's, he competes. He's, he's a coach's dream, I think. Paul Maurice the other day said something about Dylan DeMello, like called him uh, watching his first game as the, on the Jets. 
uh, a team that has no defense to speak of to get an actual NHL defenseman in there. And he said it was like coaches porn. Uh, I think that's kind of like uh, the the type of player JG Pajot will be like just the, any assignment you give him, he will do. He'll try his best. He was already an Islander legend up there with Adam Henrique and uh, Alec Martinez uh, for his performance against the Rangers uh, four years ago. I think it was in that uh, playoff series that he scored four goals in a game. Uh, but he he's just such a perfect fit for this team. And when people and and I knew that as soon as the the um, return was unveiled, which was a first round pick and a second round pick, and hopefully the best third round pick of all time, which would be only which would only come to to light if the Islanders win the Stanley Cup this year. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a hefty price to pay, but this team, it's been evident for to Islander fans, know th- this team has a distinct window to win. And it's now, and it's probably next year, and maybe the year after that, if they're lucky because of the, the way the team is constructed, the veterans on the team. J.G. Peugeot makes them a whole lot better for that window. He gives them four centers. All four of them are really good at what what they'll be assigned to do. He he provides relief if if one of those other senators goes down because you can or centers go down you can cr- he can climb up and down the lineup. This he's just perfect. They played a premium, but you should just be really really happy that he's he's on the team. Uh, and I think the the way that the coaches will speak about him and his former players and even like the fans like the senators did not want to see this guy go. Senators fans loved him. It, it's just he ticks so many boxes. Uh, I can't wait. And you know what like. If you want to be upset that he's making five years in 2022, 2023, go right ahead. But I mean, you're, you're kind of losing the forest for the trees. Yeah. Um, he has said all the right things too coming here. I, I completely forgot to mention, yeah, what they traded for him. Uh, it was a first round pick in this year, although it is lottery uh, top three protected. So God forbid something absolutely crazy happens. The Islanders fall out of it. They end up in the lottery and then they get one of the top three picks that pick will be protected and then the senators will get their first round pick next year. Uh, this year's second round pick they're giving up. And then I think it's also uh, next year's third round pick, or is it this year's third round pick? But again, it's only if it's, it's 2022 weird, weirdly enough, it's a oh, 2022. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, again, if the Islanders win the Stanley cup and they give up a 2022 third round pick, I think we'll all be very happy about it. Um, but uh you know, and that is a lot, but I mean, you know, I echo what I think a lot of people were saying in the comments over at Lighthouse Hockey, which is that you know, the fact that he signed makes that premium a little bit more palatable. You know, I mean, if you were going to give up that many high picks and then the guy was going to walk away after 20 odd games or, you know, 25 games, including the playoffs, you know, that would have been really like, oh, man, that's all we got for this guy. But the fact that he's here for six more years, you know, gives you a window to to compete. And, you know, we're obviously going to be watching who the senators take with those guys. But, uh, you know, he's he's already uh, an upgrade over whatever they had there, which, I mean, if you've been following along this entire time, was nobody. I mean, they've been this third line, quote unquote, third line has been this rotating cast of characters all season that's never been once a solid thing. And, you know, Barry Trotz last year, the Islanders had success by rolling out four lines and they were remarkably consistent and they were also remarkably healthy, but they just never got that going this year. They, you know, even when they were healthy, they never found that fourth line to keep the, the train rolling. And it was supposed to be Derek Broussard, Pajot's friend from, from Ottawa and growing up. And, uh, you know, he, he never worked out. He worked out better on the wing. They tried Leo Komarov there. They've tried Josh Bailey there. They've tried Otto Koivula there. They've tried everybody there, and it just hasn't worked out. So Pasho's going to come in and solidify all that. So they're done. So now they need to just find a couple of wingers. 
Could be Andrew Ladd. We're going to talk a lot about him in a second. Um, could be Bailey. Could be Michael Dow Cole. Uh, they could uh, Kiefer Bellows is going to be back in Bridgeport for the rest of the season. I don't think that's a bad idea. He's been bouncing around, and I think he can go back there and, and gain some confidence. Um, but the, my favorite thing about Pajot is that he's already been ta- saying the right things. You know, I, I don't want to say he he gets it because he hasn't been here yet. But when you read stuff like. I'll take the role they give me, whatever role it is. I take it seriously. My heart is going to the aisles and I'm going to give it my all. You're like, damn, this guy's awesome. And then when he says stuff like, yeah, he also, it's like he's romantic. It's very romantic stuff. He's been saying, Yeah, he said, um, he said this in French on the conference call and it was translated for a tweet here that says, he said, building a new arena makes me believe that the owners of the Islanders want to win. This is what you want as a player. And if you're, uh, if you're a Senators fan and you know this team has been their team has been fighting for a new arena too, that's got to just kill you, just kill you inside to be like, this guy. Here's this guy saying, "Oh my God, this team is getting a new arena, and I want to play here and win," and that shows commitment. And your team just traded a guy, that guy, to that other team, and uh, you know you're trying to get an arena too. So um, he also called it an honor to join the Islanders, and he's going to be competing every year for the playoffs for a championship. And I'm like, are we talking about the same New York Islanders hmm. here? Uh, it, it was pretty awesome. And, you know, although it got it got kind of shuffled under uh, all the other trades, the other 54 trades or whatever got, that got made afterwards, uh, I think the Islanders did, did really well here. And, uh, you know, I'm going to worry a little bit about mm-hmm. the picks, but he's signed. He's delivered. He's here. So we can all just move on with our lives now. It's so funny because it, it's been, you know, 600 or so days since Lou Lamarillo took over. And this was this is kind of the trade that, Islander fans have been clamoring for for you know at least the second half of that um, since last trade deadline forward and they got it and it came with like a deep breath moment like okay like this is exactly what I wanted they did it and now is it you got to make a decision are you are you are you gonna be mad about it or are you gonna actually embrace what's going on and I, and you got to embrace it I think like he took a swing and this team look the the Islanders are what they are which is a a small market team that needs to kind of get creative to to attract players not just top level players uh you know the matt barzell's and john Tavares types like they need to draft those guys and find other ways to get them there but also the the, the other important role players and this was this is ha- like this is the premium that it it'll take to get a, a jg pajot type player to a smaller market team because like the islanders if if this was in the summer, like they're not going to be able to overpay and and uh, spend beat out you know the the Rangers and the the Flyers and teams like that that can kind of throw their their market weight around. Like this is this is the type of stuff you need to do now. You need to and and Lou did it. Like it's 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 a really good day for to be an Islander fan. It's a it's a it puts more confidence I think in in the regime because uh, I think people were wavering a little bit even going back to that Andy Green trade, like that if there after Andy Green got traded and people were like, Oh, I can't believe the Islanders gave up a second round pick or whatever they did for Andy Green, right after that, six other defensemen got traded for more for a for a bigger package. Like Lou Lou has, I think, done a really good job this month, uh kind of getting the Islanders set into the trade deadline. Yeah, there's obviously a plan he he showed he showed us that he thinks the same way that fan base does which is contend now go on a run you know if, if if we strike out swinging for stanley cup so be it like at least we were we tried and and we're we are a playoff team um which is great it's just it's it's 
it's really I'm 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 really just so happy with with the way things turned out and and to boot like it seems like not only is this guy a good player like but what you were saying like he's he seems like the type of guy you want to root for and the Islanders are kind of that's kind of uh up and down the lineup like everybody there's all these guys you just want to root for and uh and these and speaking of which like the guys in the room like the the team they deserve this too oh, yeah, yep. like the, the Islanders were not supposed to be they they were not supposed to be good last year they were not really supposed to be great this year either. Um, and these, this team, for all of its warts and lack of talent and how frustrating it is to watch Leo Kamara play on the top six, like they got the Islanders to this point. Like They deserved a reinforcement like this, and uh, Luke gave it to them. And it's, uh, it's going to be a fun you know, couple, couple months here, I think. Well, I'm sure the players were probably more excited uh, or as excited as we are. To, that they're, they're bringing this guy in and you know again it, it's uh, i'm glad you brought up the andy green thing too because you know again as you're seeing with green as he plays he was the perfect guy for them like you know maybe if if adam pellick hadn't gotten hurt they wouldn't have gotten him but they might have <laughs> they might have went out and got him anyway just as, as like insurance and to play a little bit but he's he's fit right in perfectly and he's looked really good in the times he's uh he's played so uh yeah i think they they went out and got the guy they wanted to they played that they paid that premium but like we said, like we said last week, and like you just said a little while ago, this is a win now team. You know, there's no there's no rebuilding when you've got guys on five, six, seven year contracts. Like this is a team. This is the team right now. They're gonna probably sign Barzell. You know, they're gonna sign Barzell in the off season as an RFA. Pollock and Pellick too. They asked uh, not uh, um, uh, Pollock and uh, Taves. They're gonna sign. Um, somebody asked Lou, like, you know, how do you think this impacts your RFA signings? He's like, well, we'll do, we'll deal with that when the time comes, you know? And so, yeah, they'll deal with it when the time comes. Those guys don't really have much leverage. Um, if somebody throws an offer sheet at like Matt Barzell, they'll match it and figure it out later on. And that brings me to the almost deal that happened today, uh, which was kind of out of nowhere, but you know, uh, maybe not. Maybe it was kind of hanging out there. And from the reporting that we read, it seemed like it had been in the works for a little bit of a while. Um, but Frank Saravalli of TSN just drops in the middle of nowhere that the Islanders are working on a trade for Zach Parisi. And you're just like, wait, isn't Parisi like on this lifetime deal in Minnesota that he signed you know, that kind of caught us, made us go into a lockout for that one time? And they make it like a billion dollars? Well, Apparently, according to Michael Russo, who obviously from the Athletic, who we all know knows knows the wild inside and out better than they know themselves, um, Parisi went to uh, GM Paul Fenton l- last year and kind of was like, you know, I, I love it here, but I want to win a cup, and this team ain't gonna do it. And so, according to Russo, again, his words, not mine, Zach's preferred destination was the Islanders. I'm not making that up. You can go go to the athletic and read it yourself. Uh, he wanted, obviously his dad played here. He's a legend, uh, the late JP Parisi. And uh, he wants to play here. And, you know, he saw a contender here, whereas the wild were not. So the package would, would have included Andrew Ladd and perhaps something else. We don't know. They, according to Elliot Friedman, they both waived their no movement clause. Obviously Parisi, if he wanted to come here, whatever. And Ladd, apparently they talked to him and they, they were all set to go, but they couldn't make the money work. And and I think Arthur Staple was the one who wrote that it was more more on Minnesota's end than the Islanders' end. But for whatever reason, you know, three o'clock came and Zach Priestley was not an Islander. Um, I, I had reconciled myself to it happening. I don't know what I would have felt like if it actually happened. I would have seen how the money shook out, and and you know, you don't want to. As much as I would have liked to have seen Andrew Ladd get a start someplace else. 
I don't want to take on an equally terrible contract, but uh, boy, that, I mean, that would have been really something. And I mean, I, I don't know how much 2020 Zach Parisi would have helped out. The Islanders certainly would have helped on the power play. But uh, the fact that this comes up opens up all kinds of doors. And so when pe- when Lou says, we'll, f- you know, we'll worry about the RFAs when we come to it, I feel like they can explore other creative deals that would then make signing those guys easier. Now, all of a sudden, you're not maybe stuck with two more years of Leo Komarov or five more years of whatever it is of Andrew Ladd because these guys can get stuff done because they they did today. They got stuff done. So we'll see what happens. Uh, what was your, So you had heard about Parisi maybe happening before? Is that what you were saying before? Yeah, there was just uh, there were there were just some some whispers going around the Coliseum, uh, which which there often are, <laughs> but uh, it, and it, it just I just never really gave it any um, thought because I was too focused on the Islanders making sure that they beat the Red Wings and uh, and then the Sharks. But uh, it it to me it would have been like the ultimate being able to separate your kind of big picture view of of fandom. Which I think we're, we're in today's sports world, where especially in a, in a salary cap sport uh, such as the NHL, like it's so hard to to not worry about five years down the road. And I think as fans, like we we've all lost that that ability to kind of just live in the moment from time to time. And um, if Parisi came, uh, you would basically have to be able to be like, this is going to be really really bad five years from now or three years from now or whatever, but he would have made the Islanders better. And, and kind of like what I was saying when we opened the show is that it just, it was exciting just to be in like, in it, like to hear these uh, sports net and TSN insiders being like, what the hell is going on? And, you know, Lou's doing his thing. Like it was just fun to, to kind of hear that people talk about the team like that and be, be involved. And uh, it's been a long time for, since the Islanders have, have, kind of spent a trade deadline in the headlines. And uh, I won't, I won't say that, like I said, uh, they're not the story of the, the headlines, but like they were there, like they were close to being in it. That was fine for me. And it just, and like you said, like it goes to show this, these, this, the people in charge are, we should trust them. Like it, it, you, they're, it was very frustrating for a couple of months there. Um, kind of treading water, crying out for help. Barry Trotz basically playing guys uh, like, Ross Johnston and Leo Komarov were way out of position. Tom Kunako playing on the first line and just stuff like that. Like it was a cry for help and it got answered today. Um, it took some patience and, uh, but the, the Parisi thing, like, Oh my God, like it just, it was fun. And like, that's what being fans all about, especially on a day like trade deadline day, which for the past couple of years, uh, not just for the Islanders, but like league wide, it's, it's usually a bust and people are always telling you to pump the brakes the day before and talk about how trade deadlines deals usually don't work out for the contenders and whatnot. But uh, that's part of being, part of being a fan is to really enjoy these, these kind of days. And uh, it's been a long time since we've been able to. And, and even though they, they didn't um, consummate the deal for Parisi, it, it just, the, the fact that it was almost there was, it was just fun. And uh, between green and, and Peugeot and that, and just, yeah, they made that minor league trade for Jordan Schmaltz, who was a first round pick in 2012. But uh, so who knows? Like, I don't think we'll be seeing any Jordan Schmaltz for uh, for the Islanders this year. But like, it was just uh, it was it, the, my main takeaway from the Parisi thing and, and that whole experience was just it, that it was fun. Like, I mean, it was part. Of, that's what being a fan is 
all about and, and getting wrapped up in that kind of stuff. And uh, even though we weren't like actually rewarded for it, we were rewarded for it for, for just that like experience of, uh, you know, for three hours there, just having, having a ball wondering, Oh, well, if they get Parisi, we'll do this and, and we can move this guy over here. And, and, you know, he'd, he'd be great for the power play, but uh, it, and, and obviously in the end it doesn't work out uh, like that, but still uh, it, it felt good to, to see Lou, Lou, Lou just doing up to his old tricks. Like we got, we got vintage Lou today, which was, well, that was great. Uh, my favorite part of the uh, the whole Parisi thing, which you just alluded to a couple of minutes ago, was uh, I was watching the, the TSN Trade Center show and they had like different desks and they had the, the insider's desk and it was like Gord Miller was kind of moderating and he had uh, Drager, LeBron, McKenzie, and then Saravalli kind of coming in and out. And those five guys who are like, you know, the sort of nerve center along with Elliot Friedman of like, you know, all the insiders and all, and all the, the, the most connected guys in the league, they were noticeably speechless. Like Miller in particular was like, he clear, his brain clearly couldn't comprehend what was possibly going on. Like, wait, Zach Parisi trade? And then like Zach Parisi trade Islanders? Like none of it made any sense. I think he may have thought he was getting like pranked by some fake person on Twitter or something, but no, it was real. And, uh, and for a while it looked like it was going to happen. But then as I said, you know, once you get closer to three o'clock and then, you know, once, once the Islanders had a, a, uh, conference call scheduled after three o'clock, you know, Arthur Staple was like, well, if they're scheduling this conference call, that means that it's, it's not going to happen. You know, even if it wasn't a hopper for them for a little while, but uh, yeah, it was, um, it was definitely something. And, and it's gonna, I feel like it, it might end up getting revisited again. The door is open now. And if, if the Islanders can, can move Andrew Ladd and Ladd is open to, I mean, look, I mean, you know, all, in all fairness and with all due respect to him, he's got to feel maybe a pull towards starting fresh someplace else. I, I can't imagine he wanted to spend his season in Bridgeport and, and, you know, kind of get bounced around. He's kind of lost, I think a lot of the conference and his teammates maybe, and, and, uh, and the fans for sure have. And so it, it would definitely be a change of scenery play for both guys. Um, but you know, that door is open now, so maybe they'll revisit it in the summertime. Now, uh, you know, in this, if they had done this trade now, then you've got Zach Parisi for a playoff push, which is, much different than getting Zach Parisi like a training camp uh, and you know, to start all over again. And again, there's a lot of money changing hands here too. So right. maybe that deal wouldn't seem as rosy, but we're going to have to wait and see what happens. But the fact that this almost happened, yeah, it was pretty fun. It was pretty exciting. And, and you know, uh, I think other people were excited for it, but I don't know. I don't, I was watching, I was telling you before I was watching the, the winners and losers on TSN and the Islanders were neither here, neither a winner nor a loser. And to me, uh, that's probably a pretty good thing. People were kind of making fun of Lou a little bit when the, the signing of Pajot happened, but I think everyone, so after a while, people were like, yeah, that kind of makes sense, I guess. <laughs> and then they just moved on. And I was like, yeah, probably, my team probably would have given him that too. And then that would have been it. Yeah. If you're not in the weeds, like, and you see it, you're like, oh, well, that's a lot of term and money to give to a guy who's in a career year. But if you understand kind of what the Islanders are and where they're at, uh, it just, it makes sense for this team. It might not make sense for the yeah. Dallas stars to do it, but it makes sense for the New York Islanders to, to do that. And um, I don't think people are able to separate that either. Um, and I, I do want to say like about lad, because people are like, Oh, you know, is he going to even care about, cause he's up for the rest of the season now. Um, is he going to care or whatever? I think Andrew lad will, um, yes, he will care. And one, because he's, He's basically, I think this last 20 games plus playoffs, if they get there for Ladd, is basically a, 
I'm going to show the rest of the league that I still have some jam to my game so that when this, when the Islanders approach me in the summer again, or if they buy me out or whatever happens, like I can, you know, continue my career elsewhere. Plus it's, it's going to be a playoff run. Like who doesn't want to play for a team in the playoffs and uh, a playoff run. And, uh, I actually think he becomes pretty important, uh, to, to what, what the Islanders are doing. And, and, and I mean, we'll touch on it later, but I think, uh, I think just that's one thing just to keep in mind. Like, sure, it would have been nice for all you know, for all parties involved if uh, if he had been uh, flipped there, but uh, he now is an Islander, and and the Islanders mm. desperately need him uh, in the second half or the stretch run. Yeah, no, it's going to be all hands on deck, and yeah, that that makes sense. Like he's you know he's here now, and I think he'll be ready, and and uh, he's going to probably have a new line mate. So <laughs> there's no there's no reason yeah. to not uh, you know hope hope for the best and see what happens. So we'll see. Uh, you you alluded to uh, before, real quick before we take a break. Uh, very late in the day, the Islanders and Leafs hooked up for a minor league trade. Uh, Matt Lorito, who had been a veteran for the Sound Tigers, went to to the Toronto Marlies for Jordan Schmaltz. If you're an avid watcher of NBCSN games, you may remember Jordan Schmaltz from his time with the Blues, where Pierre Maguire made him sound like, you know, Larry Robinson out there. Uh, I was like, well, is this the same guy? And it turns out it is the same guy. He's just been toiling away in the minors for a lot. <laughs> um, he was a first-round pick. He's a defenseman. The Sound Tigers aren't going anywhere this year, so I'm not quite sure why this trade was made. I, I, I bet the Marlies kind of wanted a veteran like Lorito more so than the Islanders wanted a defenseman like Schmaltz, but Hey, you know, somebody new, we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, like you said, I don't think we'll, we'll see him up here uh, anytime soon, but yeah, new, new, new sound tiger. If you're going to check out a Bridgeport game. Uh, okay. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about what happened with the rest of the league. I, of those 55 trades that went down today, I'm going to go ahead and say that, you know, 50 of them happened in the Metropolitan Division, which is bad news for the Islanders uh, because a lot of their their uh, rivals got a little bit better today. So come back with us. We'll be back and we'll talk about that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can buy T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. There is a clearance section now. So if you want to save a couple of bucks, you can go there too. If you also want to save a couple of bucks, you can use the code Lighthouse15 to save 15% off your order. Uh, if you use the, the code or you buy one of our special Lighthouse Hockey Al Arbor t-shirts from VintageIceHockey.com, uh, our portion of the money goes directly to the Center for Dementia Research. So VintageIceHockey.com, they got Long Island Ducks, they got New York Golden Blades, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, Cleveland Crusaders, which is my next one. Thank you very much, Kevin. 
It's coming soon. Uh, and uh, it's a it's a great site. You should check it out. It's stuff, new stuff every Monday. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing. There are well over 100 uh, different logos now that you could check out. VintageIceHockey.com. Use the code Lighthouse15. Thank you very much. Okay, so the Metropolitan Division was the epicenter of essentially 90% of today's trades. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to forget some, but I'm just going to throw a bunch out. I got NHL.com up here. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes got one of my all-time favorites uh, that are playing right now, Vinny Trocek uh, from the Panthers. I did, Much like you know what we were talking about, John G. Pajot, I didn't think that they were going to actually make a trade. Why would you trade Vinny Trocek? But the Panthers did. They traded him to the freaking Hurricanes for like four or five different guys. Uh, no idea what the Panthers are trying to do. They're trying to make the playoffs too. I'm not sure why they would trade Trocek. Um, the Hurricanes also got Brady Shea from the Rangers. They got Sammy Votnin from the Devils. Did not pick up a goalie. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, we'll laugh at the least a little bit <laughs> as to why they would need a goalie. Um, so that was just the Hurricanes. The the Penguins picked up Patrick Marlowe. They're going to slot him into that Jerome Ginla, you know, veteran looking for a cup. Uh, slot right there. They also got Connor Sheary back uh, and Evan Rodriguez from the Sabres for Dominic Cahoon. Funny thing about the Penguins, whenever they make a trade, you know, that guy always ends up going somewhere and not really being very good after we've watched Pierre Maguire uh, drool all over these guys for years. So I'm interested to see how Cahoon does, but Sheary, of course, they know pretty well. Rodriguez is now, of course, going to become a superstar because he's playing for the Penguins. The um, Flyers picked up uh, our former Islander Nate Thompson and Anaheim Ducks Derek Ryan, who was kind of maybe a potential uh, pickup for the Isles, kind of the same guy a little bit, <laughs> but uh, you know just shoring up the sort of uh, uh, center position for them. Nolan Patrick's status is still kind of up in the air right now, so they're pretty good and they got better. And then the Caps went out on Monday, right? It was Monday. It was a Sunday night and uh, Sunday night. Sunday night, and they traded a third round pick to the Montreal Canadiens for Ilya Kovalchuk. So now we got Kovalchuk and Ovechkin on the same line. You know, if you've been playing EA Sports NHL games and you've tried this, you probably know how it's going to work out. Uh, two, two, uh, two offensive gunners on the same line. I'm sure it's going to be pretty wild. So, and again, a good team already made better. Um, the Rangers uh, kept Chris Kreider who we all kind of thought was going to get traded. So that, that was their big move. Uh, best of best wishes to uh, 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 Igor Shesterkin and um, Pavel Buchnevich, who were in a car accident. Hope they get better. All rivalries aside, that's terrible. I'm glad they're okay. Hope that they get better uh, next year. But um, yeah, so a lot going on today. It seemed for a while there that only Metro teams were making trades. Uh, what'd you make of, of all those? And and how do you think the Islanders stack up after all the dust is so? Well, kind of like we were saying earlier, if, if Lou had kind of set out and all this was going on around us, um, I would be besides myself, you know, yeah, uh, but I was, I was fun. I, it was tough to watch. Um, I was especially upset with the Trocheck thing because the Islanders and Hurricanes uh, are kind of fighting for the same spot, and uh, he makes them a little bit better down the middle. Uh, I think, you know, they 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 they're in a really weird spot because of you know what happened the other night, and Dougie Hamilton obviously being hurt, and Brett Pesci's hurt. So they, uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say. I mean, they got better from uh, where they were at nine a.m. standpoint to where they are here at eight p.m. Uh, because they they kind of filled those injury gaps, but. Uh, I'm, they're not, uh, as, as good as they, they, they should be if they were at full health, obviously, but, um, they're the penguins, 
I think at this point, we can kind of tip our cap to the Penguins and say, look, this team's probably going to win the division. If it's not them, it'll be the Capitals. The Islanders should fight like hell to get that third spot in in, in the division and try to avoid the, the either the Lightning or the Penguins in in uh, in the first round. And uh, that would just be a good start. But the, the division itself just got so much better as a whole. And there's so many bodies. I am definitely happy that the Islanders got who they got and not did. I think when I woke up this morning, I was like, the Islanders are just, they're going to sign, they're going to trade for uh, Nate Thompson or Derek Grant. And I'm going to be pissed because that's going to be all they do, but uh, they didn't. And uh, the Flyers did. So, you know, they, those two guys won't move the needle. Sure. They provide bodies and depth. I can kill penalties and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, But it's uh, they, they didn't particularly, uh, you know, jump the Islanders in, in, in this like kind of tier with them and the hurricanes. And I guess you can throw uh, the Blue Jackets and Leafs in there too. And then the Blue Jackets pretty much sat it out. I think they traded for like Devin Shore. Yeah, who, they, they uh, traded uh, Sonny Milano and Long Island guy Sonny right, Milano right, nice. to Anaheim for nice. yeah. Uh, and you're right. I, I said Derek Ryan. It was Derek Grant actually was. Uh, and the same person, aren't they? they yeah, I mean, when, when, you know, who knows that? But there's always a Derek Ryan or a Derek Grant. You know, banging around for the, either the Sabers or the Ducks or something, uh, and they play the same kind of game. But uh, I think there are a lot of new faces in the division. Um, the only two needle movers, I re- well, the Penguins, a li- I think, because the Penguins have for for this entire season have had so many guys, kind of like the Islanders have had, you know, rotating in and out of the lineups. They're not really good, but the Islanders obviously don't have Crosby and Malkin to kind of elevate those guys into NHLers. Um, they definitely got better because of uh, they they their group, uh, their bottom six as a whole got better, which scares me. But other than that, you know the Trocheck thing is annoying. But I'm with the, the way things have kind of panned out the last uh, forty eight hours or whatever it's been for the Hurricanes. It's the Islanders are still in a good spot, uh, and now they just got to you know take care of business by uh, hope, by by winning the games they're supposed to win and and. and getting points like they, they obviously can't have another four game losing streak where they score two goals in, in, in a 3000 mile trip. Um, but they're, they're a much better team. And I think if this podcast was a Philadelphia Flyers podcast or a, um, you know, Carolina hurricanes or Columbus blue jackets podcast, they'd be saying, you know, the Islanders are probably, they're better. And, and we're probably a little afraid of them right now. So uh, that's how I'm kind of looking at it. And the Kobe thing, Kobe and Ovi thing is, you know, that's fun. Like I just, it's, it's, it's annoying because yes, the Islanders are battling with the Capitals, but it's, if you just kind of take a step back and, and separate yourself from it for a second, it's just these two guys playing on the same team is so funny. And, uh, it, it hopefully they, they, they don't, you know, ruin our lives in a couple of weeks, but, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's funny. It's funny. And it's, it, that's part of what makes sports great. Yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, there was the idea that maybe, you know, the Islanders could have tried to get Kovalchuk, but from what it sounded like, he had really two options on the table. One was Boston and one was Washington, and he took the Washington one for obvious reasons. And yeah, I mean, in a way, it'll be a fun experiment to watch. Um, the Bruins, by the way, got Andre Kasha from Anaheim, uh, and then they made a deal today, too, um, to get somebody from Dallas. I forget now. But um, yeah, I kind of agree with you. Like The, the Hurricanes uh, thing is probably the most immediate threat to the Islanders. Um, but at the end of the day, they're still going to need to pick up points and they're still going to need to battle these teams out. And, you know, the blue jackets had that incredibly hot two months to get back into playoff position and were as high as third at one point. 
but uh, they've kind of fallen apart a little bit. They, I think they're winless in nine or something, maybe in regulation. And so uh, I don't know how trading Sonny Milano helps them, uh, but he wasn't really paying for them anyway. So maybe it will. I don't know. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, like the Islanders, they can't get another, you know, they need to solidify this spot. They're two points up right now on the playoff cutoff line, and they need to basically stay there or get better. Um, you know, the Flyers have been very consistent. I don't know how either of those those two guys are going to really get too much playing time, but it basically means that I think a lot of their their prospects are just going to stay in Lehigh Valley now. And then the Penguins basically did what the Penguins always do. They they brought back some guys they used to have and then got rid of, and then brought some in, brought in some old guy who's looking for a cup. Like that's what the Penguins always do. So and, and the Islanders, of course, kept things muted. They had their one guy, they got him, and that's the end of the story. So everybody kind of acted according to plan a little bit, you know. Uh, the Hurricanes, you know, the, what they need a goalie. Instead, they're going to pick up a center and a couple of defensemen. So, um, you know, because probably because some some spreadsheet told them to do that. So it's um, everybody really and the Caps, you know, went out and got the big the big gun. So everybody acted to their character in this, and and we're just going to, have to see how it plays out. Um, it's gonna, you know, we probably won't know until the playoffs uh, are actually happening and the seedings happen, and we can sit back and be like, yeah, that was a pretty good deal. So uh, a lot of times too with the trade deadline the guys that, that are acquired sometimes don't end up being the difference makers. Like they always had this, you know, the, the caps picked up Michael Kempney last uh, with the year they won the cup and he turned out to be terrific for them. But like, you know, Michael Kempney is nobody's idea of a superstar. Like he just seemed like a depth guy. And all of a sudden turns out he's playing huge minutes for a team that wins the Stanley cup. So that's kind of the, you know, usually the way it works out, but it feels like with all of these teams in this one division, getting all of these guys, somebody's going to turn out to be, the difference maker. And it could be Vinny Trocek. It could be JG Pajot. I mean, but, you know, if the Islanders get to a playoff series, I could totally see Pajot winning a, a, a playoff series on his own. I mean, we basically saw it happen <laughs> against the Rangers a couple of years ago. So that, that could happen too. And uh, it was pretty wild. Uh, again, one, I did tweet at one point, when do the other divisions get to make trades? Cause it really, every, every, you know, for about two hours, every team that made that trade was, was a Metro team, but other teams did make trades. The Oilers, I thought did really well. They got, um, yeah, I was gonna say it, was, it was either Metro division teams or the Oilers, right? Those, those are the only teams that were in it. Oh, really? Really? The Pacific too. Cause the, the Knights came on later on, but yeah, the, Knights, uh, yeah. the Oilers got, uh, Andreas Athanasiu, who had kind of been thought of as an, a potential Islander for a while there, him and him and, McDavid, I've been seeing a lot of memes where the, you know Sonic and Tails are now uh, you know McDavid and Athanasiu, the two fastest guys, two of the fastest guys in the league. Uh, they also picked up Tyler Ennis and they picked up Mike Green, like I said earlier that night. So I thought they did pretty well for themselves, you know, in in all fairness. Uh, who else? The uh, the Ducks made a lot of moves. Uh, the Sharks uh, didn't do anything with Joe Thornton, but they did trade Barclay Goodrow. Not to Barclay Center, but to the Tampa Bay Lightning for a first round pick. And that was the biggest head scratcher of the day. Like, yeah. What? I, this is what I don't I don't understand. So I totally get what the, the Lightning are doing, right? They 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 are they trust their kind of internal um or like their organization to to not only draft so well that guys pop up like JT Miller who comes over from the Rangers and they can flip him for a first round pick. Like they're, they're good enough. They have so much depth in their whole organization to turn guys into first round picks, you know, later on, like they, so they'll, they'll be fine. But if the New York Islanders traded a first round pick for Barclay Goodrow, <laughs> yeah. can, like it would just melt like the entire, uh, like the entire internet would melt down. And I, and I, and I told, and I know, you know, we talk about this kind of stuff a lot, but it, it just, that to me is like a perfect, a to B because and, and people were like, Oh, that's a lot for, for the lightning to give up. But 
um, near the lightning. And and if the island, but if the Islanders had did it, like it would have been like, oh well, here are the Islanders being the Islanders again. Uh, it's just something to keep in mind. That being said, I actually think for this season it makes a lot of sense because what it just gives them a really really annoying fourth line center to to, to have to deal with. Um, he's not going to score, you know, like with the rest of the team, but. That guy is he's big and we I mean yesterday he was he was running around at the Coliseum and you're just this he's just the type of guy he's he's like a bigger, kind of less less good version of Sezekis, I guess is the <laughs> best way to put it. But uh he he's just that's a pest to play against and the type of guy that yeah, uh I can totally hear uh Pierre Maguire uh right now talking about how, you know, he might he he might not be the the guy, the the goal scorer, but he is he's he was a final piece of the puzzle. He's the glue in the room. He's a big body uh, presence, Dawkins Eddie. You you talk about a big body presence, Barclay Goodrow. They gave up a first round pick. You can see why they did that. You know like that kind of, that exact kind of thing. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but uh, but your Pierre your Pierre impression is might be better than uh your Lou. I, well, I've worked on it for a lot longer. Lot. I didn't expect Lou Lamarello <laughs> to actually be here. I figured we'd be stuck with Pierre forever. But uh, I, I see all the lightning moves. They, they, they had acquired Blake Coleman, who, man, was a, that was a guy I really wanted, too. They gave up a ton to get him, too. They they jumped on Zach Bogosian once he hit waivers. Uh, the the Sabres. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. They just, you know, uh, terminated his contract, and the lightning were right there. I see that as a team that knows it, it has its shot now to win the Cup and is literally plugging every single possible hole. So, like, if one of their top six guys gets hurt, oh, well, they're going to bring in Zach Bogosian, who's played, you know, 800-whatever NHL games. They're going to play Blake Coleman, who was the Devils' essentially first-line center on their fourth line or whatever it is. So that, that to me, was pretty wild. Again, I thought the Oilers made some good moves. Um, who else? Oh, the other thing, too, about the the, the Goudreau move was that um, – remember when the Predators traded a first-round pick for Paul Gostad and people were like – what? Why? <laughs> He's like a defensive winger. Like, you know, he kind of is light scoring guy that I kind of got a little bit of a vibe from that. But again, this team is way better than that Predators team. So the, the day itself kind of just not just with the Islanders, but just like all around the league kind of lived up to the billing, which rarely happens with trade deadline. Usually right. I always joke around that, you know, Cam Jans- Jansen yeah. usually spends like 20 minutes on the phone with the, the, the trade deadline or the trade breakers because they, there's nothing happens in the first four four or five hours but mm. things just kept going oh, yeah. and uh yeah yeah so by the time the dust settled there most teams i think that were involved got got better mm. and uh that is scary but uh <laughs> we're one of them so yeah. that's fun um and and the teams that seem to have kind of got relegated to the loser section were the ones that didn't do anything uh the maple leafs for example didn't do anything they they re-signed jake muzzin and obviously made that minor trade with uh the islanders but they didn't really go out and address any of the concerns that, you know, people have been crying about now for a week or so. They, uh, who, who else? The uh, Avalanche have been very good all season. They've got a bunch of injuries now and they picked up Vlad Nemesnikov from the Senators. And, you know, that's cool and all, but I don't know what else they're going to do with it. The Flames didn't do anything, uh, which is kind of weird. The Canucks uh, picked up Louis Domingue from the Devils because Jacob Markstrom might be hurt now. So he's going to be their backup. That might be. Uh, a situation to watch. The Stars didn't really do anything. Again, a team that's you know kind of right in the middle there. Maybe could have looked for a little something extra. Um, and the Vegas Golden Knights looked like they weren't doing anything, which, again, would have been a change of pace for them. But then they swoop in at the end and make a big trade to get our old friend Robin Leonard. Uh, they traded Malcolm Subban and a bunch of stuff. The Leafs were actually involved in there. I don't know if you saw this, but 
the, actually the, the trade was Leonard to Chicago from Chicago to Toronto. And then the Leafs sent Leonard to Vegas and they retained like, I think half of his salary or something, and then got a fifth round pick from the Knights in exchange. And then the Knights are actually only picking up like 6% of his contract or something like that. So it's very odd. <laughs> and then we don't know what knows why like, people, especially Leafs fans are like, wait, so you didn't address the terrible defense this team has had all season, but you're helping these guys out to get a fifth round pick. You're picking up a piece of this guy's salary for you. are not even going to play for you. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, whatever. It's a, it's a very Kyle Dubasy move, but um, yeah. So Leonard now goes from being on Chicago to being in Vegas and, Looks like he's not going to. He wasn't going to resign there. They, you know, they never really got much uh, traction in terms of negotiations. So it's possible he's not in Vegas very long either. And then he has to. He's on the hunt for a new home. But uh, I don't know. I think a lot of Islander fans might be rooting for uh, for Vegas in the playoffs now, thanks to to Robin Leonard, because they they're going to see him there. So which they wouldn't have yeah. if he was in Chicago. So and he he uh, that, that I mean it's a great trade for them because Flurry's been struggling and Subban didn't, didn't really. Uh, it, it was a fun week for Leonard with uh, the Sorokin stuff and and. If I I mean one of the things I really like about him is he his um kind of he knows what's going like he he gets what hockey Twitter is like all about and so when Darren Schrager had tweeted out that uh, Sorokin had been traded to Chicago and then it was wrong he he uh, kind of trolled him a little bit with a Pinocchio emoji or something <laughs> like that and then and then after uh, at like twelve o'clock today he kind of tweeted out that uh, everything was quiet with him and kind of like uh, well, uh, it was like a wink towards i think at that point i was like oh wow he's gonna get traded because uh, he wouldn't have said that otherwise and then um when drager was the one who, who reported it he was he, he like put up like a clapping emoji or something so it was nice to see him kind of have some uh poke some fun at those guys because lord knows that they take themselves way too seriously uh and uh but i mean just i think that was kind of where it all started with that day uh with the the sorokin stuff uh, if you didn't see it, Igor Aranko had tweeted. He's he's basically the Elliot Freeman of Russian hockey, and he tweeted that his source said that he heard from a source that uh, Leonard had betrayed to Chicago. But then he said that my sources are saying the opposite mm. that Lou and his agent were talking. And then and then Drager a couple hours later, without crediting either one of them, said that he had a source that said he got traded to Chicago. Didn't happen, uh, and everyone was it was just a really confusing time, obviously for everybody because of uh the varlamov and uh, sorokin thing and whatever but there there was yeah, so there was like a 20 minute 30 minute uh kind of moment of time there where it's like almost maybe possible that robin leonard was coming back or uh that, that there was some weird stuff going on and and but like from it's just like even that like it was just fun to to be involved and uh so the trade deadline they call it like the frenzy up in canada it actually was and the hyper the hyperbole was was kind of matched and it was fun to watch the the sportsnet and tsm because usually they they make fun of how like quiet it is and whatever and uh they were it wasn't i want to call, say they were caught off guard but the fact that it was it was happening so fast like they weren't able to really um they they weren't as uh there weren't as many like stupid segments and stuff and yeah no it goats actually seemed like or was, anything going on in this episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> trade center uh, and so it, and it was funny to watch them like kind of deal with that and not uh not be able to because they always joke like oh we hope that you know the trade that when the trades happen like the week before like oh great trade deadline trade center is going to suck like mm. it actually it actually did it and it, it wasn't because of them it was just because Oh, they had actual stuff to talk about. Um, yeah, that was it. Um, JG Paggio was asked, you know, about coming, you know, 
he was because he had been in the throes of negotiating a contract extension with the senators and uh before he got traded and he said that he you know he was puking last night because he uh was having he had to basically decide whether he wanted to sign or get traded and james duthie on tsm was like i puke every night before we do trade center because i'm afraid there's not going to be any trades so yeah they they do they they did get to make fun of that a little bit today but they definitely weren't weren't bored today because they had a lot going on and uh some stuff that didn't go on but yeah uh just um that whole Sorokin thing that went down. Yeah. It was actually Drager that, that had, well, it was another guy who, who had picked up uh, that, that he was getting traded. Drager picked that up. And then uh, Igor Aranko was basically like, no, I've heard that they're actually working on, on um, the bonuses and the clauses and stuff like that for, for him, uh, that Lou Lamorello and Sorokin's agent are working on that. And then Kevin Weeks was like, no, Sorokin hasn't been traded. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's dead. Maybe something could happen. You never know. Um, we have been around the mill with this guy already now. And so like, like with Zach Parisi, I was kind of bracing myself for like, all right, well, maybe that's it. Maybe he's gone, but uh, you know, he's still right here right now. And you know, that's another thing too, that the Islanders did, they didn't lose anybody. They, you know, Zach, uh, all the, all the prospects are still here. Kiefer Bellows, Oliver Wallstrom, Otto Koivalu, Josh Hosang. They're all still here. Uh, um, Evgeny, uh, Ilya Sorokin, they're all still here. So, I mean, that's some, some, arrows and loose quivers still to maybe use later on. But, uh, you know, I did find it weird, the Sorokin thing, because, you know, not that they couldn't come to an agreement, but, you know, I don't know what this dude wants. And it feels like from an Islanders fan perspective that they've been literally clearing the runway for this guy to come here for five years now. And so I don't know what else he wants. They have a UFA goalie and he's, you know, Thomas Rice ain't coming back. All due respect. He's not going to, this is clearly the plan is to, him for for him to go and then Sorokin to show up so um I don't know what he wants and I don't know how where this all came from and I mean again as a rookie his his deal is going to be capped the ELC is going to be capped and then but they can work it out so that he could become an RFA almost immediately by burning that ELC and then they could sign him to something else and so they'll figure that out at some point I assume so that none of this really made a lot of sense to me I was always like why can't we just figure this out it seems pretty simple but then again, I'm not Ilya Sorokin, so I don't know. But just a just a situation we'll have to monitor uh, going forward that did, didn't come up today. We had a lot more going on today, but that, that was something that came up earlier last week. Um, so let's um, let's move on to a couple of other things uh, that also happened last week real quick. We didn't really get to talk about it. I almost totally forgot about it. It was John Tonelli night. Um, the Islanders got a, a much-needed win against the Red Wings. Uh, it looked a bit like a preseason game at times. They didn't really play great. They were playing against an absolutely terrible opponent. They did not shoot them 40 to 22, which was kind of cool to see, but it was not the most exciting game in the world. But boy, that ceremony, the Tonelli ceremony, if anybody at the Islanders is listening to this, that was a great job. They really, really did a great, great job on the ceremony. And it was it was nice. It wasn't too long. You had jigs there. Had the other six guys. I'm sure you're going to see them next week at Butch Goring ceremony. And it was just really, really, really well done. Uh, and so kudos to everybody that made that happen. John Tonelli, great speech. Shouted out Anders Lee. That was easily the best part. And and the fans chanting JT, JT was just too awesome for words. I just couldn't even – I mean, it just brought chills to me. I mean, this is the way it used to be. So that, that was great. I mean, the yeah. game itself was was a necessary two points, but the ceremony was really awesome. And you don't really see that that often when it comes to those ceremonies. Usually they're pretty boring, but that was a great job. Yeah, it's um, it's a long time coming, not just for Tonelli, but just, just for the Islanders to kind of do that kind of thing well. like and. I think, you know, going back to when I, when I went to Montreal, uh, the the fans that I would talk to, they were just like the Islanders were just they were just so good for so long. They were 
they, it was so great to watch them. Like it was just greatness, like personified and you just had to respect them. Like everybody was so good, whatever. Um, and in my lifetime, obviously it's never been like that. And it's, so it was nice to like see that. And it was reflected in the ceremony. Like it, it felt, it felt big. It felt classy and it felt like just, it, it really felt iconic. Like you, you felt it coming through. Um, you know, I was, I watched it on TV and then went to the Coliseum for the game. Uh, cause I, uh, cause of work, I couldn't get to the Coliseum in time, but, uh, the, un, like it, it just, it felt everything was done right. It was like such an un, uh, un Islanders thing. And I'm talking like, you know, last, the last 20 years Islanders, like it was, they, they always find a way to botch that, or it's just like, feels kind of hokey or, and like, they didn't really put any thought into it. The, they did like a little video montage in the, in the intermission. And, um, I went with Emily, she's a Bruins fan. And she's like, this is pretty cool. Like they, they're, they're playing the, 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 the sound bites from his, uh, goals and big goals during the dynasty and stuff. Like it, it, it really was cool. It was, uh, uh, just so well done. And it's, and it's, I've noticed from the past, probably mid, maybe mid last year on that the game experience at the Island, at the Coliseum, especially has just been like balls to the wall better than uh, it, it it was like it, yeah, for sure. they, they know they, they paid attention to the fan base. They get it. Like they've done their due diligence on like, okay, what maybe the Islander fans don't need, you know, crazy loud music blaring or the, the loud meter on the jumbotron every, every, every whistle. Like they want, they want us to pay homage to them and to long Island and to the dynasty and to what this kind of community is. Cause it, it is a community and, and that's, that's felt like it. And, he, and his speech too kind of spoke to that. And I think one thing that's great about this team that, uh, you know, JG Pajot will see is, is it truly, at, when it's at its best, like it reflects that. And uh, like Lee, for example, and the, the, just those guys, like they're, they've, they're part of the community. They all live close by. They, they hang out together. Like this, this is all like where everybody here is kind of in it for the same reasons. And that's kind of what we saw with, uh, with you know hearing his speech and stuff like it, it it was awesome like the whole thing was just so great from the islanders to jigs to every, like every yeah everybody kudos and I, I honestly like i was like nervous for the first four or five minutes before like i, I just really hope that this thing you know as well it's just they, they they put some thought and like took notes on like how these things should work and, and they did and it's been a long time since since the islanders had a ceremony like that so uh they really knocked it out of the park no, they definitely did. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see, um, what, what they do for butches coming up. Uh, I, I, we could see jigs, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Brendan <laughs> being the, uh, the MC yeah. or maybe even a Howie Rhodes uh, Howie. appearance. Yeah. I was, I was thinking of that. And Butch, Butch was on trade center, mm, it was? Uh, which is funny. Uh, yeah. He, he was on it like, uh, uh, right after the Pat show trade, probably like, they didn't even talk about it really. Uh, but they were just talking about his retirement ceremony and um, he, he, he brought his old helmet. It was, it was, uh, it was pretty fun to watch. <laughs> That's cool. Um, and uh, yeah, no, definitely the, the game ops experience has gotten way better and uh, it makes you, uh, you know, as if we weren't already look forward to what's going on at Belmont, because once they have all those fancy bells and whistles, I bet they're going to have cool stuff like that going on all the time. So uh, that was really neat. I, I was really impressed. I, I don't, I watched it on the bus on the way home, of course, cause I got home super late, <laughs> particularly on Fridays, but, uh, it was really cool. Uh, the game itself again, boring often looked like a preseason game, but they got two points. Uh, the four, one win Jordan Everly had a hat trick. 
The next game, very similar uh, against San Jose Sharks. Another 4-1 win. Uh, Anders Lee, two goals and an assist. A huge, <laughs> an, an assist only Anders Lee can get. He had that empty net goal in his sights for the hat trick. He was kind of pinned up against the boards. He didn't have much of an angle. So what does he do? He puts the puck in where Josh Bailey can can tap it in uh, to seal the win. And, uh, well, that's just kind of who Anders Lee is. He hands, he t- I didn't realize he didn't have a, a hat trick yet in his career. I thought he – I could have swore he had one. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, yeah. in that 40-goal season, I thought he had one. But, anyway, uh, it was still a huge win uh, no matter what happens. Uh, the first line in both games was completely buzzing. The second line actually had a really good uh, game against uh, the Sharks as well. Barlamov was really, really good, although, again, the team was very sloppy. And the reason I bring that up is because they have three games coming up this week. Uh, one against the Rangers on Tuesday night when you're the the night you're probably listening to this, uh, which is never easy. And then, oh, by the way, they played their last two Stanley Cup Finals participants in back-to-back games. So they got a game in St. Louis on Thursday and then against the Bruins and matinee on Saturday, uh, aforementioned Butch Goring night. Uh, these are three not easy games. I was kind of hoping the Rangers would trade Chris Kreider because it would have been one less guy to have to worry about. Uh, he was sick today, so maybe he'll be sick tomorrow too. Um, hopefully, J.G. Paggio is here and he can work his magic that he did against the Rangers in the playoffs at one time. But this is a really huge week, and I found it funny that you said they really should avoid four-game losing streaks because I'm looking at three games right here that I'm afraid this team is going to lose. <laughs> so, uh, you know, hopefully they're energized. Hopefully, again, Paggio gets here. Um, and Cal Clutterbuck's going to be at practice on Tuesday, so maybe they'll get him back in the lineup soon, which would be kind of huge. Maybe Andrew Ladd is feeling his oats a little bit, and it's like, yeah, trade this, son of a bitch, and, you know, kind of do that. <laughs> um, but uh, we'll see, because this is a huge stretch, and, you know, they've got the momentum now. they got their guy. Can't screw it up by, you know, putting up a bunch of losses in a row against teams that, quite frankly, are very, very, very good. Uh, so it's not going to be a, a fun, it's not going to be an easy rest of the week. That's for sure. Before the next time we chat. Yeah. It's uh it's definitely daunting, uh, little stretch, but they, I mean, they're better than they were. I mean, obviously if the team that showed up to play the Red Wings and Sharks shows up for these three games, they'll, they'll, they'll get boat raced. Yes. But <laughs> you also like, you almost, I, I, it was funny. Like before that Red Wings game, you looked at the line, the lineup and the lines and you're like, these guys just they need to dig deep and get these four points because there's just no other option. So, yes, Leo Komarov is a top six winger, and Tom Kunako, Otto Koivula, and Matt Martin on the fourth line looked abysmal, but they they got it done. Like those guys did, they did what they needed to do. They got through it. Hopefully, it's the start of a of a, of a nice streak here because there's really no other option. Uh, but yeah, they, they. I mean, if if you if you had asked. You know, when before those two games, like, oh, you know, these teams are all bad, or is it just the t- the teams that are on the road? Like, no, like they they all looked like each other, and the island, but the Islanders just they they got uh, some moments of magic from Jordan Everly and Matt Barzell and Anders Lee, uh, Brock Nelson, Devon Tapes. Like they the the big guns showed up for those games and kind of carried them across the line that they needed to get across uh, to get here to get to to get ready for the stretch. Uh, and now the reinforcements are here, so. You know, hopefully, and and you do. You, you're right. Like Barlamov has has since uh, since that Nashville game when Grice got pulled, really. Uh, he because he, he he was wobbling there for a little bit, but he's he's been uh, he's been on his game. Uh, and the Islanders' defense since Andy Green has arrived, I think, has let up seven goals in four games. Yes, 
Um, there's probably a little bit of luck involved. I think, you know, we've, we've, we've caught a couple lucky breaks with posts and bad bounces, but he, uh, he's definitely studied that, that unit too. And, uh, so, you know, things, it, it, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm very worried. I'm panicked to be honest, but about, about the playoffs and making the playoffs. But if the Islanders can get through this slog and get into a, into the playoffs, like I'm, I'm, I'm not resigned to being like, this is a one round and done team. And, uh, which I thought it was 12 hours ago or whatever. <laughs> uh, so I'm, 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 I'm very excited. That's it. So, and, and it's been a, a couple of weeks since, since I've been this excited for, for this team. Yeah, no, definitely. They got the juice right now. They got the momentum. They got their guy. Now it's a matter of putting it together and uh, going out and doing it. And, you know, one of the great things about Barry Trotz last year was, uh, you know, was said that he, he removed all the excuses. So, the excuses have been removed. <laughs> this is the team right now, and uh, it's time for them to get out there and uh, and perform. So we'll have to hope that that is what they do. Uh, okay, we have talked a lot. We've covered a lot. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's time to uh, again hit the hit the road and and see uh, what this uh, new car can do. Listen to uh, check out Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. You should listen, subscribe to all of our podcasts. There was an Isles Buzz uh, trade preview, a trade deadline preview uh, that came out Sunday night. Uh, you can still check it out. They talked about the, the games as well and uh, and Tonelli night. Uh, there's a new Lighthouse look back that's coming out very shortly uh, featuring Graham Townsend. So you can look at that. Oh, I totally forgot. I had uh, this as an island. He was an Islander this week uh, segment. So I was thinking when they got J.G. Paggio, who was the last Islander to have a hyphenate first name? And I'm pretty sure I did no research. And I'm pretty sure it was Pierre-Marc Bouchard. Pierre-Marc Bouchard. I'm pretty sure wow. it was Pierre-Marc yeah. Bouchard. Uh, and there you go. He was an Islander. Remember him, Pierre-Marc Bouchard? Yeah. I mean, that was that was great. That was uh... – that was the uh, that summer where they got him, and I think like should Lick, Zidlicky and Peter Regan. Mm. That was yeah, Pierre Mark. I was I was way too excited to have Pierre Mark Bouchard on the island. <laughs> and then he ended up on in the minors by by Thanksgiving. So yeah, yeah, that yeah, did not work terrible, out well. <laughs> no, it did not. But uh, um, yeah, and he came from Minnesota too. So I was like, oh, perfect. Okay, so there you go. So Pierre Mark Bouchard mm-hmm. was an Islander. Never forget. How could we? Uh, but there you go. Uh, so uh, follow Mike on Twitter at what is your handle again? The Big Lebowski, two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Also read his work at Action Network. You can follow me at Culture of Losing. Uh, We'll be back next week. Uh, Oh, boy, there's a lot going on this week. So hopefully our excitement hasn't been pulverized (laughs) into bits (laughs) by that time uh, because it doesn't get any easier. And guess who – Guess where they're playing next Thursday? Oh, it's back in Ottawa. So kind of a big one for uh, for New Islander J.G. Pajot. But – We'll talk before then. We'll see what's going on. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Turn and face the spray. It's going to have to be a different.